Hi, wonderful listeners. Uh, Yutha here with a uh, solo cold open uh, from the future. I just wanted to let you know that when we were recording this episode and um, the next two or three, yeah, we had some technical issues and a lot of interference and distortion was baked into our sound recording, which is obviously not optimal. Uh, Especially, you know, for me, as I as I had to then, I've turned into a Brita filter and dug all the shit out of it, and it means they're 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 a little thin at times. They can be a bit rocky. They're not, you know, they're listenable, and I think you'll have a great time. But I just wanted to say uh, sorry up front, and also to say we'd love to hear from you guys. Um, but not on this issue, because uh, we record the show with quite a long lead time. So this is the third episode. We record the ninth episode later this week. Um, so this technical problem that you're about to experience in real time is long since solved for us. Enjoy the episode. It's a good one. Present for like my 18th birthday, my mum bought me like tickets to like go for like an adventure hour show. Oh, cool. How was the thrilling adventure hour show? It, it was it was really fun. I I, I got it. My mum got me a VIP ticket, so I got to like meet everyone. Up. I got like meet oh, everyone wow. after a show. I got a poster signed by everyone. Oh, cool. And I presume they were all just dicks. Right? <laughs> they were all just yeah, like... they're all super rude to me. <laughs> yeah, because my... there's one thing I pick out from Paul F. Tompkins <laughs> and uh, you know ben, Ben's blacker and Acker. Yeah, is Dark hearts. Yeah, you know? actually, Mark Mark Gagliardi saw my Christopher Hitchens T-shirt, and we talked about Christopher Hitchens for a little bit. Positively or negatively? Yeah, because yeah. you remain pro Hitchens, right? I mean, I was I was, I was eighteen. Yeah, <laughs> I was eighteen. I, but you remain pro Hitchens. I, I I remain broadly pro Hitchens. There 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 are, there are, there are things that I can't really defend. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm not interested in defending them. You just still love him, though. Yeah. He can do no. Okay. Oh well, no! I think he did. I think he did some stuff that was definitely wrong, and I don't. I don't care about. Like, I, I'm not interested in defending that stuff because I don't think it's worth defending. Uh, okay. Yeah. But you still love him. Would you marry him, Chris Hitchens? Were, 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 were he not a corpse? Sure. Okay. So you wake up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're having your regular breakfast. Yep. Eight squares of caramello. Yeah. Uh, as you <laughs> proved during the mic test, which I was sadly not recording. <laughs> Yeah, just like you know, great. And I presume it's like it's like an Ali fear the soul, where everyone is smoking in bed in a way that yeah, is so so like uh, yeah, it's just something I cannot possibly understand. Is like people lying down smoking in bed, as, as it's so some, far away from my experience. As an as an eggs smoker, mm. which is to say, I love smoked eggs, <laughs> and I also smoke cigarettes. Um, <laughs> there is a. a the first, like the first time you're like, I could smoke while lying down, and so you get the nicotine rush while you're prone. The first time you're like, I'm a genius, <laughs> and then it's all you do. The thing that got me when we saw um, Ali and Ali colon fear eats the soul um, smoking a bed is that he has the ashtray on the bed, yeah, which just definitely is like. That's how fires start. Yeah, it was, it's a it was, it was a the fire starter. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure everything in that house is made of asbestos anyway. <laughs> that is true. Um, so this is shite and sa- Oh, you have the intro. Yeah, I got, you I got have the intro. intro. You right? Yeah, I have an intro to pitch. Can okay, I try. I'll, uh, you you know do your intro first. Yeah, and... and then you can do your intro, okay. and we'll probably include both. Hey, everyone, welcome 
This is Shite and Sound. This is a podcast about life, love, the media, what's going on in <laughs> pop culture, poetry, uh, architecture, dancing about architecture, <laughs> but not dance on its own darts, darts competitions. And we look at it every week through the lens of two films. Um, one good, for example, um, The Trip. <laughs> And it's one called, bad. It's called the test. <laughs> the test. The, the, no, the, the trip is, is a good film. The, the, this is the third different way you've, you've said the name of that movie. Oh, yeah. I've said the trap as yeah. well. Which is an equally good title for the film. Yes. But, yeah, no, we look at all those subjects through the lens of um, two films. One good from the top 101 films on uh, Sight and Sound's BFI list. BFI Sight and Sound list. And uh, one bad, and see how they work. How what do you think of that as an intro? <laughs> I thought I mean, it was okay. I mean, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I like, I like the idea of that intro a lot, and I, I, I think, I, I think it sort of lost its way near the end. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. He could not make eye contact with me while <laughs> giving that feedback. Well, I, I, I just, I just think intros maybe work a bit better when we're like written out and you know what you, you know what you're saying beforehand. Yeah, we can agree to disagree. No, no sure. You know, I wouldn't marry Hitchens. If, so I wake up. <laughs> My ex wears a caramel. No, yeah, you, you, you wouldn't marry bisexual icon Christopher Hitchens. <laughs> He's a seen bisexual man, a bisexualist. Oh, good on him. Yeah, there, 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 there was at least a, a couple interviews where he, where he talked about, like, how, like, in the, like, I think, like, 60s or 70s, whenever he was, like, at, Ox- at Oxford, he, 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 was, he was in, like, a sexual relationship with multiple men who had later gone to be members of the Conservative Party. Like, like prominent, like, members of the Conservative Party. I mean, that, that I... Hmm. <sighs> Not surprised. Uh, why? You know, not all homophobes are gay. No. But it is interesting, right? Yeah. Not all, like, I am terrified of heights. Right. And I don't also want to fuck Sky Tower, <laughs> you know? I don't look at the Burj Khalifa and think, get it. But, but like, what, what about when, like, Tom Cruise is hanging off of it? No, because Tom Cruise is, at this point, an action man, like a purely sexless being, right? Yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of what's great about Tom Cruise. Like, I imagine that sex with Thomas Cruise <laughs> would just be one really bracing but platonic <laughs> hug. <laughs> you know, like, it would be a bear hug, and that's the most you'd ever get. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be like in Demolition Man, where, like, where, like sex doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> I'm not every, I've not seen Demolition oh, Man, and every detail I hear about Demolition Man makes it sound like the best film ever made. Like it's it, it, it's an it's like it, it it's a conservative fantasy about like oh this is what will happen if if all those like soft politically correct liberals are in charge of society. But like so obviously you you've you've you've, you've heard about seeing Demolition Man where like the, the naked woman like video calls her sister alone. Yeah. So yeah. like. So, like, that's a scene that exists, but also there's a later scene where, like, it's very clearly said that sex doesn't exist and people in the future find nudity to be disgusting. And so, like, but those two things are, like, totally incongruous with each other and it makes for, it makes for totally, like, unnecessary nudity yeah. and even more unnecessary because, like, it goes against the established fiction of the film. Okay, that makes sense. Also has, I think, the, the worst uh, quip I've ever heard in a movie. Which is there's a certain point where where um, uh, uh, Stallone and Wesley Snipes are like fighting, and they're in a museum, and um, Stallone 
picks up like an old like. Are tel- they exhibits in the museum? No, they they, they are they are fighting in a museum. Then I don't care about mm-hmm. any museum that won't have Wesley Snipes and Sylvester Stallone as exhibits. It's not a museum I want to visit. It's like Stallone like picks up an old television and like sw- swings around by the cord and like whacks it into Wesley Snipes. And his quip when he does this is, "You're on TV." <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Actually, he's not, though. Because <laughs> no. the TV is on him. Yeah. <laughs> As seen on TV is funnier. Yeah. Okay, what? A, okay, three more. Go. Thin. Three more better quips. For you are sly. Oh, okay. I'm, 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 pitch, I'm pitching things himself. he could say yeah. when hitting someone for television. Yeah. Okay, um... Now in died screen. <laughs> totally tubular. <laughs> I, cathode I, to joy. <laughs> no. I, now who's the idiot box? <laughs> You're obviously better at pitching Stallone puns than I am. I'm infomercial. Info killing you slam. What? I think it's good. Oh, no, it's no? good. Is it? it yeah. Yes. Okay. I believe it is of uh, high quality. Okay. Um, uh, might try and do my intro now. <laughs> yeah, oh, right. So, we're this still the, on the intro. Yeah, yeah, this is the second start of the show. Okay, yep. Welcome to uh, the second start of the show. Oh. My name's Yutha Dean. This is my name's Finn Nicholas. And this is the start. <laughs> okay. No, so, I'll give you... I'm going to adjust my chair and then focus, and I'll give you time to read your intro. Well, I, I just, I'm going to do my warm-ups first. Oh, yeah. Cool. A proper cup of coffee from a proper copper coffee pot. Cathode to joy. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Shite and Sound, the podcast where two comedians watch one of the masterpieces of world cinema and then followed up with a critically reviled film that is similar in some way. Maybe they share themes, plot, actors, or director. We want to see if counterpointing these two films can bring out some new information or insights. On this episode, we're watching number 99 on the Sight and Sound list, Ali, Fair Eats of Soul. Rena Werner Fassbinder's heartbreaking and sharply observed film about an aging German widow and her relationship with a young Moroccan immigrant worker. Our second film this week is The Test by American writer, director, star, and all-around great dude, Jeremy Saville. And editor. And editor. A movie that spends 90 minutes asking, why women's be like that? <laughs> I, I don't even think... You know in The Company of Men, the, the film that we assumed was ironic at the time about two men torturing a woman... Uh, with Aaronette Carr. Okay, I I know, I know of it. I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. Anyway, no, yeah, no. The test is like uh, people, like he looked at in the company of men, a film that is still probably a damning uh, excoriation of misogyny, and thought, you know, what would have. What if that was a romantic comedy? <laughs> it, it is. I mean, uh, so I've now seen two movies by 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 and starring Jeremy Savile. Yeah, and he also produces and edits yes. them. And so I, 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 I think he's the worst filmmaker. He certainly he has a dark. Again, I've only I've only seen the test. Yeah, and from it, I got the sense that he has a, a dark heart. He he he. Yeah, he he's he's a bad person who enjoys mugging a lot. Yeah, he 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 thinks he's got like a very like pleasant, safe face. Yeah, and he he likes to just have like long close-ups of, of himself, just like smiling adorably. But you can tell like there is nothing underneath there. I like ob- you've seen two of his films. Yes, uh, we've both seen the test because we were you know in this room, but but yep. two hours the ago whole, the whole time. Yeah. 
No one can deny it. No one can deny it. We have witnesses, even. Um, uh, but you've also seen Loquisha, his more recent yeah, film. His, want... his opus. Okay, so can you logline Loquisha for me? Uh, and so, Loquisha is about a man who gives great advice. Yeah. Uh, uh, who gets the, the opportunity to uh, uh, to host a call-in uh, 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 like radio advice show yeah. uh, after pretending to be a black woman. Uh, and I presume he does the talk show in his own voice, right? Like, that's the standard thing a human would do. Uh, also, uh, there's the, the sort of a surprising thing that happens in, in Loquisha, where, like, he's doing this, you know, like, crazy, exaggerated, awful, like, sassy black woman voice the whole yeah. time. Yeah. But then, at, at the end of a the movie, there's a scene where, where he, he is talking to himself. Yeah. Like, like look, so, like, where, where Loquisha is interviewing uh, Joe, our hero. Yeah. And when the two of them are talking together, it really demonstrates just how little effort he's putting into the voice. <laughs> Like, it's sort of not that different from his own voice. Uh, he is... We watched We watched the test first, um, just to see how things would switch up. And it was certainly, like, a bad way to start your day. The, the way we've done it in the past has been good, because it's like, we watch a good movie, then we watch a bad movie, and we go straight into talking about it. <laughs> so it's, it's not, like, that much time to just, like, sit in... To just, like, sit in it. Yeah. But, so I have... A problem in my. Um, I'll explain how we came to watching the test, mm. which is um, I'm in a relationship. It's going great. We've been together for nearly six years, and you know, hopefully, mm. it'll be much longer than that. I don't really believe in marriage because uh, I think owning people is bad. <laughs> um, no, okay, this, 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 is a, this is an opinion I haven't heard from you before. <laughs> I think owning people is bad. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I don't really think there's much more to unpack there. I would much rather <laughs> lease people. No, 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 I don't mean that. No, I, but I was talking to you, to, to you, my good friend Finn, and I was like, Briar's great, Briar's the name of my partner. You know, I love her lots. Uh, we're going to be together, you know, hopefully for as long as, uh, as possible, as long as it works for both of us. But how can I know she loves me back? <laughs> and Finn said, I know just the film that you need to see. And he showed me The Test, which yeah. is a film about um, a man whose name I'm not going to remember. No. Oh, it's Nate. Mm-hmm. Fuck, Nathan. My brain. His buddy's called Nate. Yeah. Uh, and he's married. He, I, he's engaged. The, yeah. the, 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 the movie opens with him and, and his girlfriend standing on a beach looking out at the sunset. And then within 20 seconds, he's <laughs> on his knee proposing to her. Wow. Uh, yeah. It's, and, it's efficient storytelling. Uh, yeah, and it's not... I mean, you learn, you realize pretty quickly that something terrible is going on because the scene is genuine. The scene immediately reveals that this film has less a script than the list of notes you write towards a script. So it is like they look at a beautiful, so the the notes for the scene would be they look at a beautiful sunset. She says it's the best day ever. And he uh, uh, and he proposes. And what the scene is is, you know, we start on a beautiful view, but how do we know it's a beautiful view apart from the evidence of our eyes? Well, well, because, because she immediately says, "Oh, what a beautiful view!" Yeah, and he says, uh, "The only thing that would make it more beautiful is if you married me." Um, and it, it's and like... this is where we get the first like like loving close up of his own face. Yeah, and she. Just really, we we need to be. I feel like we should kind of uh, put guardrails up yeah. around because the female lead in this film, 
um, who I don't want to name because they might be cyberbullying. <laughs> I don't. It I might, don't, might I don't, be doxing to reveal that someone was in the test. <laughs> yeah. Is that she is clearly by quite a wide margin, I'd say, the most like practiced or at least capable actor yeah. in the cast. She's not good because the the material like yeah, stops no, stops can. like yeah. it is impossible to give a good performance in this movie. The, the, this is a movie that is written by someone who has maybe never talked to another person before. I think he's talked to other people. I don't think he's ever listened to another <laughs> person. His, his his girlfriend's best friend in this movie is called Franny, yeah. which is not a name that anyone has in the 21st century. Uh, I mean, I feel like there are a lot of children born during episodes of The Nanny. This is a woman in her 30s who, who everyone still calls... Who everyone still calls Franny. Well, that, this here we bring to another of what I would term the myriad... Of production questions because everyone in this film is clearly in their mid to late 30s and that's fine he said yep. as someone in his early 30s <laughs> but they keep talking like they're in their 20s yeah they're... in a way that just speaks to a vanity that is both unearned and not needed yeah there was all this conversation about like about how young everyone is and about like yeah it's it, it's it it always takes it, it always takes you out of the film every time like someone someone will refer to like, to the female lead as like a young girl yeah young thing at one oh, point his ugh. dad calls her the test the titular test well the f- title is first false cuz it cuz there's not a test there's testes but calling it testes <laughs> would underline just how much of the cast are absolute ball bags, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, and- I, I, after this propo- after the proposal scene, it cuts like straight to like uh, cuts straight to Nate in the bar, and he's talking yeah. to his friends. I think one of them's called Todd. Yeah, that's, uh, they, he seems like a Todd. One, I think one of them's Ron. They're all like they are all they bro they bros, yeah. dudes. A better way to consider this film would be to title it Trump Voters. Um and all of his friends look like people who have half face swapped themselves with celebrities. So like one of his friends is like a normal guy who has half face swapped with Kevin Sorbo, one yep. is the same with Michael B. Jordan. And oh, um, imagine no one having half of Kevin Sorbo's face. Yeah, I know. Which half though? Mm. The Christian half. <laughs> so the mouth, I guess? He, 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 he's 100% Christian. Okay, so, but tell me. What, that, that is a man who loves Jesus. What is the most Christian part of the body, though? Oh, it's it's the wrist, right? Because of that old martyr. Mm. Yeah, nah, it, it is, I think. I was going to say the mouth because of, you know, like, kissing Jesus' feet and all the talking. And also, like, drink, drinking communion wine. Ah, uh, yeah, it, the blood of Jesus, the blood, blood of our Lord, and numbing down on his flesh. Yeah, just just shave a little bit of skin. Uh, okay, it's, anyway. like a, it's like the third Austin Powers movie. Um, but so after proposing, he's out having beers with his mates, the, this ragtag bunch of rascals, and yeah. they're like, uh, "Women are terrible. Yeah, don't trust her." Now, I, 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 I don't know if you've like had any close friends who have gotten married. Like, uh, my, 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 my best friend got got married last year, and we, we, we just like speak, speaking for me, we, we, whenever, whenever a friend of mine gets married, uh, can't be friends with him anymore. That's done. Relationship yeah. over. Like, I, I've lost him. He's gone. He might as well be dead well i like i like to see weddings as people uh choosing to chain themselves 
you to a woman they don't like. For the so rest I of their I life. think of weddings as a double suicide. <laughs> <laughs> Only double. So what we're learning now is that you're anti-polygamy. Just be normal. Just be normal. <laughs> Just be normal. Like, okay, I get it. The three of you are happy and it's consenting, but only two of you can commit suicide in front of all of us. <laughs> So as soon as these guys start talking, they just start saying all this gross stuff about like, oh, you know, as soon as you get married, she's not going to have sex with you anymore, and she might, she's going to run off with your money. Like we, we are, we are maybe two minutes into this movie, and we're yeah. already just like getting MRA talking points just thrown in our face. And it is, and they're all cliches. Yeah. You know, when your money runs out, what if your money goes away? She doesn't really care about you. You should go sleep with someone else. Um, but most importantly, the film agrees. Like, this is a sequence of, like, ha-ha, funny jokes. Yeah. This is not, like, a scene that's supposed to be, like, look at these dead-hearted men. No, yeah, this is a scene where, like, where, like Nathan starts off being like, no, what are you guys talking about? I mean, yeah. by, by the end of the scene, he is... He is definitely afraid that that his fiance is going to take all this money and run off with someone else. And what they propose to do is to test her. Um, we are three minutes into the movie. We've got the title. <laughs> We've got the title. Um, I mean, time dilates around this film, as we will get to the point later where we learned there was an hour left, <laughs> even though the film had felt like it had been on for two. Tr- truly, truly heartbreak. It does the exact opposite of what the first Ip Man movie does. <laughs> where, where, yeah. where, there's, like a, there's like a fight in the first 20 minutes where you're like, oh, this is the final fight, this is the end of the movie. But then the movie keeps going and like keeps being good and still finds like more stuff to do. You're right. In a lot of ways, I think this film is... The exact opposite of Batman. <laughs> in, in so many ways. There, 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 there is zero kung fu in this. I would like to point out, I think we should find our compliments for um, the test. This is me remembering the title every time I say <laughs> it. Um, the test 2012. It's on Amazon Prime and nowhere else. No. Um, no. I really want DVD commentary on this film. <laughs> I, I, I would love to hear what Jeremy Savile thinks he's doing. I have a theory. Because I think, I, I spent a lot of this film being like, what films does Jeremy Savile like? And I don't think he likes a lot of films. I think he's better than most films. Because these films are full, like, this film has a Christianity thing going through it. Like yeah. a, a Trials of Job thing going through it. Yeah, well, it, it's, a, yeah, like he, he, it's a movie about the story of Job yeah. where the writer-director has cast himself as God. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't, and I think that uh, he is doing that because he's like, other films wouldn't do this. This is what a real art film would do. And I think the film is full of lots of weird gestures and oddly stressed lines. Yeah. But if we got a DVD commentary, would be like, um, you know, there's a scene where uh, after, we'll explain why, but um, the woman runs in, the woman... <laughs> She runs to the film she effectively is, and is like, my life is ruined, everything is terrible, I'm panicking. Why does God hate me? And I can just hear a DVD commentary where he's like, oh yeah, there's there's the theme (laughs) for you then. If you'll see how these things uh, add together. I I, I can promise you Jeremy Savile has never thought about a theme in his life. Like, he's like one of those... He's like one of those like YouTube film critics who thinks are like themes are for losers and queers. Uh, yeah, 
I mean, they kind of are, but yeah. as a queer loser, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm very into them. <laughs> but, so we haven't explained what the tests are. So you would think that, like, if I'm having an issue with my with my partner, I'm... You, who, 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 who you profess to love. Oh, yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, who I claim, yeah. who I have loved, um, and I will test her, but it will be like, is something wrong? Is there something I can do? It's normally I say Tess, who, I'll ask her. Who, a who who played who played the fourth Dalek in this episode of Doctor Who from nineteen seventy two? I mean, the answer most of the time is John Scott yeah. Martin, um, but there weren't any Dalek adventures in nineteen seventy two. Yeah, I, look, I I, knew, I I absolutely knew you were going to call me out on that. <laughs> no, there was Day oh. of the Daleks. Yes. Um, bad voices in that. There's a good special edition. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to keep it. The, see, we're now in a position, since we last recorded, I've moved now my Doctor Who DVDs in <laughs> uh, Finn's perfect eye line. So, yeah. yeah. Who knows what he'll mention next. I think it might be uh, Dragonfire. I was actually looking at The Seeds of Death. The Seeds of Death, pretty good. Oh. I mean, the last uh, um, kind of great hurrah of the Troughton era. Oh, okay. Uh, the last base under siege. I watched a lot as a kid, and so... Uh, I feel a lot about it. It's got a lot. It's got a guy in it who's really panicked. This this ties. Uh, uh, so the ice warriors or Martians, let's yeah. not call them a slur, as no. the books established. Um, take over the the head of all <laughs> public transport on Earth has been replaced by uh, T Mat by matter transmission. Okay, by, by like uh, teleporting. Um, so they take over the moon base that runs there, and they, there's this one guy there who has to work with them, and he just is slowly losing his mind, and it's a really gripping, compelling performance. Much like, because the tests they choose for his wife to be, for his fiance, the first uh, is, of course, hiring uh, an attractive actor to sit next to her while she's waiting at dinner and hit on her. Yeah. Um, so, so aggressively. Yeah. This is... Some of the most, some of the most insistent flirting I've ever seen ever. Well, and his name is Don, which is the most flirtatious name. Yeah, certainly um, is. Apart from like, if your name was like Jonathan Kiss, and because I always like to be sure after proposing that my partner is not going to go outside of the agreed bounds of our relationship. He, he was already like so committed to her, and then his asshole friends just immediately ruined it. Yeah. Um, I mean, he clearly has some doubts because of just who he is, how he behaves. And I mean, well, yeah, he's a deeply yeah. insecure, in, insecure person. Is that us reading into the film? Anyway. I mean, I, I think, like, I think, like, Jeremy Saville is a deeply insecure man. Yeah. And he cannot not express that yeah. in his films. But so that's the first test. She kind of passes it because she doesn't take his, uh, his business card. His business office. card. Because he's all like, oh, leave your boyfriend and come shack up with me, Don. Yeah. Don. I'm, I'm a millionaire and I'm all alone in my massive house <laughs> in yeah. Jamaica. Yeah, me, Don Frotter. <laughs> <laughs> so in, 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 in that scene where, where, like, where, uh, where Don is, is, is flirting, is flirting yeah. with her, uh, there's, there's like a weird Shakespeare reference in there. I uh, think like... Yeah, the other theme, Shakespeare. Yeah, like, because the this, this script is smart. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. and there are just like a bunch of like really incongruous references throughout the film. Like at one point they they mention uh, they mention Jean Paul Sartre. Yeah, and at one point they mention Hearts of Darkness. 
they mean they allude to the film Hearts of Darkness, but they call it Heart of Darkness. Yes, which I was furious about. Uh, I mean, you were incandescent. <laughs> I'll call you a light bulb because you were. <laughs> yep, that's, that's uh, a joke I did on Twitter. <laughs> Call me incandescent because no, uh, I'm a light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, it was outdated light bulbs made me incandescent with rage. I mean, uh, how many likes and retweets on there? Much oh, engagement? Like may- Maybe four likes. Oh, okay. One of them might have been from you. <laughs> uh, I don't remember. Like, I, I wouldn't... It, it, was, it was a long time ago. I like my jokes sophisticated. Yep, no. Detailed, intricate. I don't like dumb. Okay, so anyway, you you you've liked a lot of dumb jokes I've posted. That is, don't out me like that. <laughs> There's no way the public could find that out. There's no public record of me liking things <laughs> on Twitter. When, when the idea of a test is first brought up, uh, Nathan has a premonition of of like a of like a um, of like a test car crash. Yeah, and that happens several times throughout the film. Like yeah. if, if, every time that they're talking about doing another test, he's just like. It, it like flashes into his mind, and you see another you see another car crash, which I believe is from HDStockFootage.com. Yeah, absolutely, in the credits during the bloopers. Of course, this film has bloopers. But now here, okay. So this is again we we brought up the Shakespeare thing, but the important thing about noticing the Shakespeare, the Hearts of Darkness reference, the Sartre reference, is that they are all very specifically references that people who don't know about those things that make. So we say like Shakespeare references. And it's really like someone just saying, oh, all's well that ends well. Yeah, also, like, at, at one point, uh, I think the first one is, someone says, it's it's not to be. And I says, oh, or is it to be? That is the question, like, it's just... It to be or not to be. Is, yeah, that is the question. Um, just nonsense. Um, well, no, I, I don't think it's nonsense. I just think it is um, standing proof of why the ability to disseminate art should be taken away from mediocre white men. Yeah. Like, uh, as a mediocre white man, I'm terrified by that information. But, but like, if if we if we were legally not allowed to make this podcast, we would probably be a better place. I mean, we would still probably do this. Yeah. Like, I like watching films with you. Yeah. Even when one of them is... <laughs> the test. Is the test. I cannot... It is... Is the test worse than Lucretia? Um, oh, I mean, one is so about how I, women I, are shit, and one is about mocking. Well, what one is about how black women are shit? Yeah, there's a scene. There's a part in Lucretia where, like, he hires. Uh, he hires a real black woman yeah. to like be the public face of Loquisha, and then she decides to take over Loquisha. Of course, and and like there's nothing he can do about it yeah. because he's not a black woman, and so she takes over Loquisha, but, but like she she can't do the advice show as good as him, and she gives bad advice, oh, okay. and then at a certain point after she's like, does anyone notice the change in voice? No, I think because oh, no. yeah, and. <laughs> And so, like after she's done, she's trying to do like an advice show, and and no one liked her advice. She she comes she comes back to to the main character and says to him, "I admit it, you're you're a better black woman than I am." Oh man! Yeah, like all all all, all of all of this guy, like every single movie this guy makes is about people telling him how great he is. And like, it, 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 there's there's not as much of it in in the test, but but but, but, but Loquisha is all. <laughs> Every scene in Loquisha, people either talk about how great Loquisha is or how great uh, Joe, the, the main character, is. Very troubling. Yes. Um, 
she kind of, they say, kind of passes the yep. first test. The, the, they, they say this while, while watching back the video of, of, of the test in a, in a screening room like they're fucking Hollywood executives. That's right. It is. You remember that bit from Citizen Kane? It's that bit from Citizen but like, Kane. You, you, like, you see him filming the test yeah. on, on his cell phone. And like it's not even. This is a 2012 cell phone, yeah. and they are watching it blowing up on a wall. Well, and most damning from a projector. Yeah, he was filming in portrait, and they're broadcasting in land, landscape. It is. It is genuinely like I, I. I don't know how that sort of continuity mistake makes it into a movie. It's a genuine Jared Leto moment. <laughs> the one problem that Mars and otherwise Enough. perfect work. <laughs> Suicide Squad. <laughs> yeah, not like name me something that's wrong with Suicide Squad. Uh, Slipknot isn't the hero. <laughs> I mean, that's all for James Gunn's reboot, yeah. The Suicide Squad. But the rest of it is flawless. Yeah, it's got, it's got it. that scene where Captain Boomerang says "fuck you guys, I'm leaving," and then comes back two minutes later. Yeah, everything you've just said is moment of cinematic perfection. Yep, rivaled only by. I don't know, the baby going down them steps. <laughs> <laughs> it's got it's got the scene where where Margot Robbie just just, lick, just like bends over in very tight shorts for no no reason. Yeah. yeah. So are you saying that's good or bad? A plus hundred percent perfect movie. Okay, would you rather she have a reason? Look or I, look, I I think it is like it's it's offensive to me that Parasite has a number one spot on Letterboxd <laughs> at the moment and not Suicide okay. Squad. Are we talking original Suicide Squad or the extended cut? Uh, I've not seen the extended cut. Oh wow! Okay, Cause, you cause call the, yourself a squad head because they you weren't call playing. Call yourself a squid head because they weren't playing the extended cut in the theater when I paid money to see it. Oh, oh no! Yeah. Okay. At least I've not given money to Suicide Squad. Oh, is ab- the thing. Yeah. So now I get to be the dominant one on the podcast. Yeah, you're you're in charge. Yeah, great. Just because of Suicide Squad. So the second test. Of her love for him. So she passes the first test. The yep. second test is, of course, what would happen if he had no money? What Be- would because happen? it's important to say that like, these two are both uh, uh, bad rich people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they are both, like, they're, they're both gross, g- gentrifying yuppies yeah. who live in, uh, uh, like, terrible apartments yeah. and all, all their lives are uh, gaudy and disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and, like, he... he, he Nathan is so worried that that she's going to run off and take and t- take half of his money and sue him for child support, and he's going to have to be a weekend dad. And the second, so the second and third test kind of uh, rhyme with each other. The first, yeah, bit. yeah, yeah. So it's like the Star Wars movies. Yeah. Of course, uh, the first is uh, what happens if he lost his job. So of course he does the pretty simple thing of uh, saying that he'd been indicted for insider trading. Yeah. Because he is like it, it's never stated what his job is. Well, no, it's, it's he's a stock trader. Cause yeah, he mentions it. So later. We, 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 yeah, he, he mentions it. He mentions a uh, he mentions a stock tip later, and then finally, uh, we, when he gets back to work, we get to see what his job entails, and his job entails uh, making graphs in Microsoft Word. Yeah, <laughs> he he's he is st- not even Excel graphs; they are Microsoft Word graphs. Yeah, and uh, she is. Like generally supporting of him in in this situation, yeah. and so it's like pass that test. So you know what we should do: make her lose her job as well. And so like he 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 just pretends to to lose his job. Like he it's later revealed he took like sick time at work. Yeah. But 
for for her job, he gets his friend Todd to uh, to talk to the head of the magazine where she works. No, the pub. Yeah, talks to the head of the publishing yeah. company. and which she it, is a senior editor at a magazine. Yes, yes, and it turns out that Todd uh, uh, Todd was a frat brother. Yeah. Of the guy who's in charge of the company, and also the guy in charge of the company uh, has been divorced three times and has had millions of dollars stolen from him by evil women, yeah. and so he's totally on board with firing the senior editor at his at his at his company as a test as a, as a test of her marital fidelity. Um, he later says that he thought it was just a prank. And was given five hundred dollars. No, no, to v- 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 that was a guy who uh, in the next test. Oh, the next. That was Kent. Kent. Okay, so, and I think the th- the thing we are not properly expressing is how each of these tests is presented as a comic sequence par excellence. It's yep. cut like there are laughs everywhere. There are no laughs. There and... are two good jokes in the film. One involves cucumber <laughs> and the other involves a child's swing. Um... And also, like each test is preceded by a scene where someone has to convince the other person that the test is a good idea, yeah. which always ends with whoever is being convinced saying... It's it's genius. It's brilliant. This is the best thing I've ever heard. If you did a word cloud of this film, if you put the whole script into a word cloud, the words genius and masterpiece would be <laughs> the two biggest words by quite a light margin. There's um there's a point later where he's pretending to be in a coma, because that's of course where this film is expected to go. Yep. Where the doctor who uh for a prank is allowing him to do this says if this was a piece of art, it would be a masterpiece. A masterpiece pretending to have a coma sometimes i pretend to be asleep so i don't have to make breakfast <laughs> that's not a masterpiece yeah. but yeah each of these tests is presented as if it is the funniest thing in the whole world and it's not in a way that causes like it should be good bad funny right there should be a cognitive dissonance yeah but there's such a sad there's a weird sadness to watching this because it is just like this is someone who is so wrong-headed about both what they want to express and how they want to express it. Like, yep. he's failed on both the ideas and execution front. He, he, he is... Yeah, he, he, he's, he's not like... He, he's not someone like Neil Breen, no. who is, like, who is an incompetent egomaniac, but also has, like, an insane, like, vision. Who he Like, Neil Breen knows what he wants to do, and he cannot do it, but he will try. Well, and you could never predict a Neil Breen film. No. Um, this film from about 10 minutes in, we were making pretty good predictions. <laughs> yeah. Um, and cause of course the next test, uh, is of course, would she die for him? So they which, find... which is something that's very important to know that. I, I just, I think again, just to bring it back to me, to my relationship yeah. problems, I think my biggest problem is that I don't think I would die for Brian and I don't think she would die for me because we're fully realized humans <laughs> but my problem isn't those things my problem is that i don't see that as a problem what is yeah. the test you would design for me to solve that <laughs> is it similar to the fourth test as we've said where they hire a friend to kent. come in kent in a balaclava with a gun to home invade and rob them put get them on their knees pointing a gun at their yep. head and he wants to get get the the, the combination he wants to get the, the combination for, for, yeah. for their safe. And it's absolutely... If looking at the scene with any mode of realism, 
writes off the content of the work of anyone involved because it is absolutely terrorizing this woman. And then when she's like, when he's like, oh no, kill me, he's expecting her to be like, no, kill me. Yeah. She doesn't say that. So he's like, why didn't you say that? And well, he, he, he like turns to her and does like a, does like a, huh, face? Yeah. Like, what? And he, he does this face four times in the scene. And it is, and that's clearly because they think this is a comedy and that's what you would do if it was funny. Yeah. But what you have is just a scene of two men terrorizing and then hectoring a woman. Yeah. No, this, this is one of several movies we've watched which is weirdly similar to Cello. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, she doesn't really pass that test because she wouldn't jump in front of a bullet for him, right? Yeah. I cannot remember what the next test uh, is. <laughs> so I, I wrote I wrote down all the tests. Uh, so that, that was test four. Test five is coma, which <laughs> which we, we, we were trying to predict what this bomb would be. Um, I, I I thought he might like pretend to be in a wheelchair, <laughs> but no. It, t- it turns out he he pretends to be in a coma <laughs> because once he gave a, a doctor a good stock tip, and so this doctor owes him one now, and he gets to take up a uh, an entire room in a hospital, which a sick person could be using. <laughs> um, it is, and when they decide when he is deciding to do a coma, the conversation is: Do you know what uh, his friend, the Kevin Sorbo friend, yeah, um, says? You know what you should do: pretend to be dead and see how she responds at your funeral. Um, and he's like, "No, I should be in a coma," which is the one point in the film where you're like, "No, listen to your friend. I want to see this fucking funeral scene. This will be hilarious." Yeah, I, I, I want to see, I want to see the same twenty extras being at your funeral. <laughs> so yeah, he pretends to be in a coma, and then uh, after one day of being in a coma, so as I would, I, I believe the medical term is, my mother is a doctor, my dad is a nurse. I believe a one day coma is a nap. <laughs> Um, I believe he catches some Z's and then he wakes up, but oh no, test number six. He's got memory loss. Yeah, he He got hit in the head with a coconut. He unknown white males and he's been hit on the head with a coconut and now he has amnesia. And then cut to three weeks later. (laughs) Three weeks later. And now this is, there are a few things in cinema like cutting, because there's there's an interesting moment because this is where you start to realise that he thinks this film is touching as well as funny. Yeah. It is. It's as funny as it is touching. <laughs> You've got to give it that. Um, and, but we then cut from a scene of him being like, oh, I'm waking up. Hello. Who's Nathan? Then we hard cut to a scene of him in a park running around in a crude buffoonish and incredibly like morally upsetting yeah. impression of a person with a learning difficulty. <laughs> like, because it, when it, it, you it lose is, your memory, yeah. you become like, yeah. he he just decides, oh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm going to do like I'm going to do like a Chris Lilly thing now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, admittedly, in 2012, when Chris Lilly was only the most respected <laughs> comedian in Australasia. The way the scene with Parker's shot is crazy, because, like, all, 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 the, all the bits... <laughs> it, it cuts between... It, it cuts between, like, his girlfriend... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just remembering. <laughs> so the, the scene is kind of between the, the girlfriend and Franny. They're sitting on a park bench, talk, talking about you know how he's lost his memory, and then cutting, cutting back, cutting back over to a massive wide shot of of Nathan running around with his arms out, like 
jumping on the ground and doing like rolls and stuff <laughs> and like it is it's the only time in the movie that the camera is static <laughs> for, for the rest of the movie cam like everything is like handheld in, in a way that is not welcome no i mean just for this the camera is totally <laughs> locked down it is like it is it is like yeah it, no it, it, did it, you did you think they had to have a sealed set for this do you think it was just like, i'm gonna really engage with my inner <laughs> and i think we can safely say that he would refer to it as the arsler yes which which of course we won't say because we are uh, adult humans with empathy <laughs> i guess um <laughs> and and so he was like, everyone go away, just leave the camera running. It's like Buster Keaton. Remember how Buster Keaton did that stunt where the house falls down around him? Yeah. Uh, and uh, he had to do it. They started the camera and left because they thought he was going to die. <laughs> Maybe the crew did that. Uh, what, to... what if Buster Keaton accidentally made the world's first snuff film? <laughs> I I just think there's a snuff film that's earlier than I that. mean, Sure. I mean, depending on which theatre you're in. There, 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 there have been gross bad people through the entire history of cinema, but not before. Bad people started it ever history. See, no, no, here's the thing people don't know about the... The, 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 guy, the guy who was riding that, that horse? What a shithead. The people... The thing that people don't know about the workers leaving the, the tra- factory... That, that train conductor was Hitler. <laughs> is that the factory they were working at is a murder factory. <laughs> I mean, back then all factories were murder factories. I mean, this is before they had proper labour laws. And now murder factories are only in countries without white people in them, <laughs> so we don't have to think about it. It's great. Yeah. I love it. Um, we, 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 I do not love it. We, we, we get these great so cheap clear. microphones. <laughs> so, yeah, no, coma, then he pretends, and then there is... An extended dinner scene. And, and just, we, we have another reference to Citizen Kane, where they're sitting at a table very far apart from each other to indicate the distance between them emotionally. Yeah, that's the establisher, but then most of the... Yeah, absolutely. It's Kane all over. Yeah. Um, the rest of it is shot in a single on each of them, opposite each other. Yeah. But it's shot so dark it is like they are disembodied heads floating yeah. in a void. This, this is a badly lit movie. I think, I think a lot of this... Because people never move. There's yeah. very little movement within scenes, so you could recreate this film with wax figures and, <laughs> and very, like, maybe 1% of it would actively change, <laughs> apart from mouths moving, and I believe wax figures could do that now. Yeah. Um, and I think it is, I think I think they made it cheap and quickly, and like, hooray, that's how you have to make uh, independent films, I'm not dissing him for that. But I think they will like, I think... They lit each scene once for the master, and then were quickly like, and now we have to go in for our singles, which I'm going to say they shot on A and B cam at the same time. Um, and that's why no one moves, because then they'd have to relight. Yep. And it, it, it just leads to like so so many like so many close ups where like you should be able to like look at people's faces and what they are trying to emote, but where someone's face is just in t- pretty much total darkness. I I'm not sure if this is an okay thing to say, but I'll say it. I was not sure for about the first two thirds of the running time what the race of the woman was because she is so often in such darkness. Yeah, no, I, I was I was going to say a, a similar thing. Yeah. Like you 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 cannot tell if like. If she is like white and wearing a very bad spray tan, yeah. Or if if she is, or she's like, uh, oh yeah. Then... And, and and in some cases, in some scenes, it's nothing to do with her. The makeup job on her is just particularly yeah. bad. Um, and I, I I think it looks like makeup for real life rather than makeup for film. But it's just all these you know little problems that someone who had seen or enjoyed a film in his life would see. But I just remembered the positive thing I wanted okay. to say. 
um, is that in his group of friends, like, there is, I feel like, notable diversity within the cast. For a 2012 film, the amount of people of colour in this film who with is actually quite high. I mean, mm. all the leads are still white, but it's, like, it's still nice, you know? Yeah. It's still nice. I mean... Wait, wait till you see Loquisha. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll work out what to pair Loquisha with, yeah. I think. Um, but, and then, uh, she's, so she has this big, long, emotional monologue that is maybe two minutes of just cliche on cliche. Yeah, like, she, she, it's just like, it's just her talking about how, how much she, she loved him and, and misses him now that he's lost his memory. Yeah. And she, she, she doesn't say a single thing that hasn't been in at least four other movies. And, uh, she, yeah, and she takes a good swing at it, but the material really, really lets her down. Yeah. Uh, this was the point uh, where I made the note, how dare this film try and affect my emotions? Um, because it, it just doesn't... Because, obviously, as a rational human watching this, you're like, and she should leave him. Um, and so he, of course, at the end of that scene, pretends to remember her. Um, Julia? Um, and... Jul- Julia? Julia? <laughs> um, <laughs> Julia? Julia? Uh, so, of course, hard cut to their wedding, um, where through, like, bland, kind of boring, fast people talking to each other, and, uh, like, oh, yeah. no, we should break this down, because it start- the sequence where she finds out about the tests starts with... Um, Two of the dudes walking around being like, oh, who knows? Not many people. Only Joe and Kent. And they're not going to say anything. Joe and Kent, they wouldn't say. They're yeah. both mutes. They would never <laughs> say a word in their life. No, no, no. I cannot believe that they would ever. And then you just cut to Joe and Kent being like, so these tests. And you're like, yeah, we got it. We got how this yep. goes. And what, while, while Kent, and I believe it's Ron, not, uh, not, right. not Joe. What, while, while Kent and Ron are, are, are talking about, about, about the tests, uh, the, the girlfriend just happens to be in, in, in the bathroom that they're waiting outside of. Yeah. And because this bathroom has the thinnest walls of any yeah. room in the history of the world, she can hear every single word perfectly. Yeah. And she comes out with a, a fully developed picture of what's been going on for the last few months. <laughs> and uh, she, uh, she storms out. And she, 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 run, she runs up to... Uh, uh, up to you know, he's waiting for her to arrive there, about yeah. to exchange vows. Yeah, yeah, and she 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 runs towards him, and and him and Todd see her running up, and like, oh, she's running, yeah, she's running. Oh, she looks mad. Oh, she looks mad. Yeah, and then she 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 knocks over a violinist, which is kind of funny. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's we can make that the two point five yeah. joke. Isn't yeah. It? Um, and she says, my favourite line when she's angry, yelling at him is, "If there was no one here, I would shoot you dead, <laughs> but instead, you're just dead." Dead to, to me. Uh, there are so many good pauses in this movie. <laughs> um, and, but, oh, 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 and another thing is, like, up until this point, there has been no swearing in the movie, and it does feel like a like a Christian oh, movie. Yeah, yeah. And like, there, there are multiple scenes where someone says like "effing" or "frickin." Yeah, and and, and you're just like, "What's wrong with you, Americans? Just swear. You're all adults." Well, and then when she finds out the first thing she says to him is, "You mother." Fucker! Yeah. I mean, there's just a bunch of swearing, which is great. Which, yeah, as a New Zealander, is that still swear word? It was. It was the most human part of the entire movie. When, when, when like she, when she calls him a motherfucker, it's like, yeah, it's a gen- It's like a. Yeah. That seems like a thing a person would do. And then, interestingly, the film starts following her. She becomes the protagonist for about the past, well, the next ten minutes. Well, well, so like j- just before she becomes yeah. the protagonist, 
Like she 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 storms off out, out of a wedding, and then then Nathan fucking that's right. Then then Nathan oh no yeah. Then Nathan just sort of stands there for a while, looking at people, and there's lots of like reaction shots, people shaking their head, and then there is a like there is a like a hard cut to him talking to his dad, and he says, "Oh, I feel like I feel like such a schmuck," which is the first bit of Yiddish we've had in the movie. Yeah, and, and the one day it took him to write the script, this was the moment when he remembered he. About the word schmuck, because that is in like what would be the next five pages of script, maybe ten yeah. times. Yeah, and then, then his, his dad looks at him and says, "No, you're not a you're not a schmuck. You're a putz." And, and you're just like, "Okay, so maybe like like Jeremy Savile, maybe, maybe the least Jewish looking person I've ever seen yeah. in my life." And now we're just and like his dad does not look Jewish either. And now his dad. Let's not judge uh, uh, how much people can be sure, Jewish. Sure, but like. It, it is it is so incongruous to hear like Yiddish just all of a sudden coming coming out of these people's mouths. But it's not as good. This contains maybe the finest line in all of cinema. Yeah, when he says "you're a putz," and then his immediate follow up is, "I cannot believe that you came out of my dick," <laughs> which which is like. Like I, I I I don't know how you like your your relationship with, with your father is, but like that's how my dad talks to me. <laughs> I'm I mean it's it's how I think about my father, <laughs> but I you know things are kind of, I don't think this is for the podcast. No, <laughs> no, no, probably not. Um, I'm, I'm, I'll write a whole play eventually. <laughs> I, I can't remember which part of the movie I, I wrote this note down. But I just got a note here that says "murder all men." Uh, uh, I, I think that, I think that note is applicable to pretty much any part of the movie. That was specifically the point where Kent and Joe. Uh, oh no! We're, yes, we're no. talking and just um because they're like oh so there's all these plans and you keep being ready for them to be like oh this is a bit gross but they keep being like nah this is smart when I'm getting married I'm gonna do this yeah because the whole point of a movie is that this is a great idea and anyone who's not doing it they're probably gonna get taken advantage of by some evil harpy it, yeah it's it's difficult to like not just immediately transition out of fear yeah. in the wake of this film. Um, oh, I mean, like, in, in, in the, 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 like, uh, uh, in, in the scene where, where, where Nathan is talking to his dad, <laughs> they just keep on piling on the, the like, Jewish stereotypes. Like, there's a part where his dad, se- like, says, oh, you, you, you're killing your mother. <laughs> and then... Oh, no. uh... You can You were mean. Yeah. You don't. You don't test women. You test mufflers. I like to muffle my wife. Yeah. <laughs> oh, why? It, it it goes like all the like the the most hackneyed stereotypes of like what like a like Jewish dad says. Can you imagine? So gross. And to me, it is the precise counterpoint to you know the best scene in Call Me by the second best scene. Yeah. Third best scene in Call Me. There's so many. There's good a lot of good in, scenes in Call Me by Your Name. Um, where where Michael Stuhlbarg. Stuhlbarg. I want to say Nick Fist, but uh, no, that's that's a different guy. That'd be good. Yeah. I want to see Michael Stuhlbarg as a Mission Impossible villain. <laughs> How good would that be? Or 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 a John Wick villain? I uh, no no. It's, yeah, that's that's Michael. It's Michael Nyquist, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's been but Michael Nyquist in his short luck died. Yeah, very sad. But it's both a Jonathan Wick and a Mission Missions Impossible villain. Can, can, can I just give, give like, what might be a hot take here? Yeah. I think Michael Nyquist is incredible in John Wick. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, is, okay. that is such a good performance, and no one talks about it because it's like, well, he's, he's like a hammy villain in an, in an action movie. That, 
it is the exact perfect amount of ham. Yep. And like as that movie goes along, and he like he he like has to like reckon with the fact like yep. I'm gonna fucking die, and there's nothing I can do, and he just starts like enjoying everything. Yeah. Oh, what hey, what a performance! I want you to name a performance in John Wick, any of the trilogy, <laughs> okay, that is not working at the highest possible level because I genuinely cannot think of one. No, no, I mean like those those are all great movies with loads of great performances of them. I mean, like that. that I'm not even like the like, cop. Like that, that's that's like it's good material to start with, and everyone elevates it. Oh yeah, and um, I like it when he shoots the guy in the head. And <laughs> then there's the bit where he's like, "I'm going to the library. I'm going to get a book. Yeah, uh, this book has words in it. I'm scared of words." And he kills a guy with the book and. Can't kind of say my, my favorite thing about all the John Wick movies is that they they never kill any civilians. Yeah, it's all it's always just other assassins who who yeah. get killed, and I think that is such a smart choice from them, and I love it, and that's why it's my favorite action movie series. Well, and well, it's also just like part of it is that that action films are dance films, and it understands yes. that. Um, but also part of it is like I can't remember better the experience of seeing a film of a moment of a film. Of being like in in three, he's already killed someone with a book, <laughs> and then he's you know he's killing more people yep. as you do. Then he kills two men with a horse, oh, and I remember in my brain going like, "This is we're still in the first act. <laughs> yeah. Where can you possibly go from here?" And then the fact that the rest of the film is like the film is being like, "Oh yeah, you think throwing away the horse? Wait until you see Halle Berry kill two men with dogs." <laughs> and so yeah, no, they're. Incre- incredible movies. Yeah, no, um, that that's that's recommended. So we're in recommendation <laughs> corner. We're going to recommend to people listening to a film podcast. Have you considered checking out Jonathan Wick and its sequel, Jonathan Wick Chapter Two? And of and course, John- Jonathan Wick Chapter Three, Parabellum. Oh, let's use its full okay. name: Cephas Peckham Parabellum. <laughs> well, we also got to do the punctuation as well. Oh right, yeah. Um, J- John- Jonathan Wick. <laughs> Colon, chapter three, dash. Seavis, Pack, and Parabellum. Um, it's not, it's almost as good as, I think the Cowboy Bebop film in Japan was called Knock, Knock, Knockin' on Heaven's Door. Um, which is, I mean, it's almost as good as the, the Cowboy Bebop film. I recommend it. Check it out. You don't need to have seen the series. Anyway, that's, any other films to recommend? Oh, Colour Out of Space. We were just talking about yeah. Check out. If you're in New Zealand, it's on Academy on Demand. It's support Academy on Demand. If, 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 you, if you enjoy anything Nicolas Cage has ever done, this is, yeah. this is for you. It has everything, every kind of Nicolas Cage you want. Yeah. Um, and it is just... I kept falling asleep while watching it because I was tired. Uh, and it is like... It, it's improved. Because <laughs> it, uh, it just goes crazy and crazy. Anyway, let's get back. So... Um, the woman, the woman. What is her name? I, I have no idea. That's why I just call her the girlfriend. Yeah, because well, that's how the film treats. Yeah, her. and like she, 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 she's given no real personality yeah. except for she's manic in some scenes. Well, yeah, when she loses her job, she immediately loses her mind. Yeah, um, but for only one scene. Um, and she starts waxing lyrical about them becoming uh, globe-trotting trickster hobos. Yeah, <laughs> is, uh, I, I. I I kind of I, I kind of like that I, monologue. And the monologue where she fun. talks about how they might strap themselves to the outside <laughs> yeah. of uh, cross Pacific plains, yeah, um, is I think is the moment where the intersection of the low level of the material <laughs> and her high hardworking performance, yeah. best pays off. Um, but anyway, so she's 
She's all like, oh, I'm, I'm still a bit sad. And her friend is like, you should go on a date with the yeah. actor. So like she, she, she is just like, she's sitting in, this is six months after they're broken up. She is sitting inside uh, with, uh, with their song, which we've never heard before in the film, their song playing very loudly. And she's just staring at an iPad with a single picture of the two of them on it. Yeah. And then her, her, her friend, her friend comes in. And yeah, and tells her, "Oh, forget about that. Forget about that loser." <laughs> yeah. And then they they find they they find the business card of of the actor that was hired to play Don. Yeah. And they're like, "Oh, this guy is hot." Because throughout the movie, people talk about him as they, as a they, supermodel and as gorgeous. But like, he's he's not he's not a bad looking guy. But he's 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 not someone who would like drive someone to like like extremes of lust. I want to stress that they had already found the business card because finding it on screen would require the actors to move. Yes. So, so um, uh, uh, Franny. Yeah. She 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 calls up uh, whatever his name is. No idea. Trent. That's yeah, what he's no, called. The guy who was Trent formerly, the actor. Uh, formerly Don. Yeah, Don Snuggle. They <laughs> they call it Trent the actor and set, set up a date without mentioning a time or a place. <laughs> In a way that, like, most films get away with that just through brevity and pace, right? Like, yeah. you don't mind. But there's a real sense that there's a beat that lingers in the phone call where you would be like, oh, yeah, I'll meet you at uh, the cafe at 4 p.m. And yep. it's not there, so you're just like, how are they going to meet? And so they they meet up and they go on a date. Oh, no, oh, sorry, before she goes on the date... <laughs> Uh, after she's finished, finished like do, doing her makeup, she she calls up, she calls up Nathan, yep. and he is lying in <laughs> the darkest room we've ever seen, with sort of like a green tinge in the background, um, complete with flickering fluorescent bulb above yep. him, and his he, face is in cold pizza. He, he is wearing a terry cloth bathrobe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is like the the only good production design of the movie. Um, but it is also like uh, imagine a scene where uh, Bugs Bunny is down and out. He's <laughs> in that environment, yeah. and so like she, she she calls him up and he he answers the phone and he immediately begins breaking down and sobbing and begging for forgiveness. And this, in a way that's supposed to be funny. He yeah, re- this is where he gurns and mugs the most. His like, his performance gonna- is so broad. In this movie, like there's like, it, I think someone could maybe sell this sell this material. I like like do p- not believe that to be true. He he, he is acting how like uh, dumb people think depression is like. Yeah, and also sometimes what depression is like. Yeah, I've I've never gone so far as to put on a terry cloth bathrobe and lie in pizza. <laughs> I I have gone very into making my own pizza dough recently, so maybe it's similar. Oh, no. No! Please get a girlfriend. Please. That is not up to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So let's unpack that. Oh, How? I. You're a charming guy. I mean, you know a bit too much about the band Fugazi. Yeah, but you're also you're looking at my Doctor Who books. <laughs> and well, no, not my Doctor Who books because I, of course, keep those in my bedroom. Um. He's got to keep them safe at night. Or do or are they keeping you safe? I mean, okay, the, the no both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is it? Why? Why? Why do you think it's out of your hands? Only like l- largely, I, I don't really. It feels like something you have to like put effort into. Uh, right. Like, like I, I, I don't, I don't care enough to tr- to try. Oh, uh, okay, okay. I kind of understand. Yeah. 
Like, I, 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 I had, like, I think I, I had, like, a Tinder account for a while, and then I accidentally super liked someone, so I had to delete my account. <laughs> In my head, you just, like, it happened, you immediately dropped the phone into a bin and set it on fire. <laughs> I could not... So, what, 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 what happens, I, I, I accidentally super liked someone. You, I, you I paid don't... to do that. No, no, you, you, oh, okay. you, you get, I think you get an amount of super likes without having to pay oh, for it. Okay, thank you. I know. So, I accidentally super liked someone. I deleted and said, oh shit, and I deleted the app off my phone, and then thought, no, my so I re-downloaded the app, deleted my account, deleted the app again, and then went into, like, the yeah. app store and sleep and hide from purchases, so <laughs> no one would see that I'd ever had Tinder in the first place. I just, I think, you've got a lot of love to give. <laughs> and you could go out there and maybe, like, getting real into pizza dough mm-hmm. is the first step on the path to, like... I don't know, writing a million words on, like, a new philosophy you've invented. <laughs> you know, I don't want you to go less wrong. I don't want you to suddenly become obsessed with, like, Rocco's Basilisk or something. That's my main concern for you. Whereas mine is, of course, uh, actually wearing Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> my greatest concern is just becoming John Nathan Turner. Um, that's for the Doctor Who fans out there. No, not John Nathan. Okay, I'm going to cut oh. the reference to John Nathan Turner because Fantastic. he sexually assaulted people. Oh, no. Um, uh, I was just want to dabbing there, but it's going to get cut out. <laughs> um, so I, I have never dabbed in my life. Do it now. No. Do it now for me. No, it's never going to happen. I. It is. Uh, there are so many things in my life that I started doing for fun. Yeah. No. I. 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 I, I saw you. I saw your tweet about tapping. <laughs> I. 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 Um. Re- at the beginning of this year, uh, I went on an exchange uh, to Scotland as a playwright, uh, and I lived there, and I started writing a play. It's great. It's called Raspberries. Come see it when theatre exists. Just kidding. No one goes to the theatre before COVID. Why do we think? Anyway. Um. <laughs> But my first, when I found out I got it, it's a great opportunity, I'm very happy I did it. My first, my natural, immediate response when I got the email saying it was me, was I dabbed. <laughs> uh, in a way that really hurts myself. <laughs> and it's like, I also, I just, for a while, I thought it would be funny if when I needed to exert effort, I would say wah. <laughs> like Wario does. Yes. And then I just do it. <laughs> I just say wah. And if I had known about that, I would have gone with Waluigi's meh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so uh, she calls him and she says, uh, you suck, I'm going on a date um, with this guy. And he is upset. And so they go on this date and uh, <laughs> outside the window. They're talking to each other for a bit. It seems like the date's going fine. Yeah. It's, not, it's, not, yeah. it's not a great date, but it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now he's out of character, you know. Um, But there is this guy outside who has been hit by a car (laughs) and is trying to kill himself by lying in the road. And the actress is like, oh no, the girlfriend is like, oh, we should go help that guy. And the actor is like, no, you said you don't want any more craziness in your life. Don't go and help that person whose life is in danger. And, like, I, I, I can't tell if that is something that Jeremy Seville wrote to be like, no, this guy's actually, he's actually, like, a bad match for her because <laughs> he doesn't want to help this person. But, like, if that if that is, if that's what he was trying to do, that is yeah. the least self-awareness of any person who's ever existed. Oh, by a wide margin. Yeah. Um, and so, of course, she goes out and it's 
fucking Nathan. Nate. It's what's his name trying to kill himself, and she has um, a line that I'm sure is hilarious in Jeremy's mind. Oh no, don't worry, because he's like, what are you trying to do? What does it look like? I'm trying to kill myself, and she's like, oh, because it's you. That's fine. <laughs> As if someone hurting your feelings and doing like severely betraying trust is like that person should commit suicide. Yep. Like, so what we're learning is that everyone in this film uh, is a psychopath. Yep. Or, um, yeah, it's it's terrifying. So, yeah, we're outside. We have the scene, and then we have possibly the worst part of the film, yep. which is an extended, another romantic comedy. Like, this is the equivalent of, like, the crying in the rain, running with flowers, Richard Curtis final, this is why I love you monologue. Yeah. And I, I think I'm, we were talking over the beginning of this, and so we didn't hear like why a certain uh, shift was made. But 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 the but the the the, uh, uh, the the girlfriend starts to talk about how like oh no I I actually failed the test and I'm not worthy of you and like it I've no I've no idea how the movie got got to that point. This was the point where I began to think that Jeremy. I want to say Jeremy Solnier, but... Savile? No, G- Jeremy, Jeremy Solnier Char- is a genuinely brilliant filmmaker. Yeah, yeah. Made my favourite movie of all time. But. <laughs> I mean, it's good. Yeah, it's fun. And, and, and this is where I thought Jeremy Savile, I don't think he's ever... I mean, he's talked to humans, but he's never listened. Because <laughs> there's just how you arrive at that set. At all. Yeah, it, was, it is one of the most, like, one of the things I've ever seen in a, in a movie. And I, I watch a lot of movies that are designed to make people confused. And, uh, <laughs> like I, 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 I was, I was less confused in the last year at Marion Bad than than I was watching this one scene of the test. But then we cut to their wedding, which of course has all the members of his gang, the tester people, and yep. and, and his parents who disowned him earlier in the movie after after doing some weird Catskill shtick <laughs> or and, shtickler, as it's. <laughs> Uh, and then they get happily married. And is that the end of the movie? That is the moment. Well, there's bloopers. Oh, and oh, there's the dedication to his wife. Oh no! Before that, they're getting married on like a clifftop overlooking the ocean. Yeah, and where the first scene took place. Yeah, and the camera sort of like pans around, and you see like these like figures coming through the sea, and <laughs> it is so unclear what they are. Like at first, I thought they were dolphins yeah. or sharks, and then like. Eventually, you realize, like, oh no, they're, they're people who are surfing. But I, I had, like, I, I had a full moment when I was watching uh, when I was watching the the, uh, uh, the, the Damien Chazelle movie First Man, yeah. where like they're finally on the moon, and there's like this big like panning shot from from Ryan Gosling's point of view, just like looking out across like the Sea of Tranquility. And all I wanted when that happened was for just like an army of like of like alien bug yeah, creatures right? to like come like to, like charging at him and that's what I thought was happening here. Isn't that the pulled open of the third Transformers film essentially what you're describing? It's been so long since I've seen that. Wow, you've seen Dark of Moon. Dark of the Dark Moon. Dark of the Moon. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Because Revenge of the Fallen was originally the Revenge of Fallen, <laughs> because there is there's a Transformer called Fallen. Yeah, so this, I mean that that was one that was written during, was done during the like writer's strike, and so there wasn't actually a proper script for it. Yep, I remember in two thousand and seven seeing the first Transformers film, being like that was fine. Yeah, 
So is, is, is it the second movie where they replace Megan Fox or the no, third the, movie? Oh, okay. That's the one where they replace her with... Um, with Rosie Huntington-Whitley. Yeah, of, yeah. of, of uh, Mad Max Furry Road fame. Um, yeah. yeah uh, and oh, that, I'm, I'm, sure that, I'm sure that's why Michael Bay cast her. Uh, let's see the timeline. <laughs> but that's the scene. That has the scene where they're buying a car. And a gag is that there's a scene of him like de- one of the show guy is describing the car like look at all the curves look it's built for power but what the camera is doing is staring at a woman's body. I don't like Michael Bay. <laughs> I think he sucks. And only to me. Do you, can you remember? Do you know what? What is her name? What is the other one? Megan Megan Fox. Megan Fox. Do you know what her character's full name in the Transformers film? Uh, I don't, but I'm sure you're going to tell me. It's Michaela Baines. Michael, like Michael Bay. Right. You know what? Now that you say that, I did know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, then we get the end credits. Uh, uh, two things worth pointing out here. One, they look like iMovie credits, yep. as do the intro credits. And uh, the there are some bloopers. Um, during which, the, you know, they can't stop laughing at the jokes, during which the writer, director, star, producer, and editor, so everyone, the one man who is everything involved in showing us this moment, yeah. can't he, stop he, he, he is to the test, as Jim Cummings is to Thunder Road. Yeah, um, and he can't, he can't stop laughing at his father saying, came out of my deck, yeah. and he laughed, and he says under his breath, it's just so funny. <laughs> and I just don't think there's a better symbol of the utter failure of this film. Yeah. Is, is that it ends, that during the bloopers you have, <laughs> the man who wrote the line is directing the scene and including the blooper, going like, this? This is funny. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if, 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 we're talking about, if we're talking about, like, the real theme of the movie, it is Jeremy yeah. Savile is the funniest man who's ever existed, <laughs> which is the theme of all of his movies. Yeah. He, he like, all these are about how he is a great man who is put upon by by mediocre people. Absolutely. Like, like it, it's like it's Ayn Rand, but worse somehow. <laughs> um, but, of course, that's the end of the film, which takes us to, of course, the famous test. We all, we always have to ask. We have to sit down and think. Finn Nicholas, tell me, was the test brackets twenty twelve shite or sound? Uh, th- this is so. I I think Bloquisha is the worst movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Um. I I don't know if the test is worse, but I think it might be about equal. I think I think I think choosing. And seen Loquisha, but like one is one hates black people, one hates women. Yeah. Well, um, the, the, the interesting thing about, about Loquisha is it hates black people, but it also hates women <laughs> and gay people and trans people. I mean, if, if every single scene in Loquisha has aimed four types of jokes in the same order, it's like it's racist joke, misogynist joke, homophobic joke, transphobic joke. Yeah. I'm just end cr- of scene. <laughs> um, but I think it is a bit disability Olympics to choose. <laughs> Um, you know, disadvantagement Olympics to choose between, you know, which is worse because yeah. they're both all hate crimes are equal. Um, I also think it is shy. I think it it's definitely the least fun I've had watching a film. Yes, because at least like a pink, like Baby Jane is empirically great. Yeah, and Pink Panther at least has just like it is unknowingly a slasher film. You know, <laughs> whereas this it is just I. It is a film that begs you to sit in judgment of its di- of, Jer- <laughs> <laughs> of its director, writer, producer, editor, star. Yeah. 
And it's like, look, aren't I great? And all you can do this whole time, it's like like a child entered a talent competition <laughs> and then went on stage and was like, hey, what do you think? And then puked on themselves and sh- shit themselves and started crying. And then they're like, wasn't I great? And you just have to be like, no, I'm like I'm, you're forcing me to judge you and the judgment has to be bad. <laughs> like, you, you asked for this. Yeah, if anyone still isn't entirely clear on what sort of movie this is, the, the very final credit is is Jeremy Savile's production company, which is called, like, Best Movies Incorporated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is copyright to the best movie, I believe. Yeah. Um, but moving from that to uh, uh, Raina Werner Fassbender's Ali Colon feeds the soul hyphen cherry <laughs> colon <laughs> knock, knock, knocking on his door um, so, 1994 yeah so th- th- this, this is a movie that, that I saw for the first time in, uh, uh, in a uh, film class and it made a real big impact on me yeah. This, this is the sort of movie where you're like, yeah, no, it, it makes sense to go to to like to like go to universe this, this sort of stuff they show you. It, 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 it's very a thought I kept having while watching this incredible film, <laughs> this five star, you know, yeah. you know, this um is that that like there is so much bullshit in festival and art cinema and in international cinema. Mm. And it can often feel like engaging with it is like, okay, which rich person's folly am I going to engage with today and maybe find something to like in? And then you watch this, which is like, because fundamentally the film is a full, full-throated, um, but not decomplic, not uncomplicated yeah. uh, uh, dissent of racism. And of course, like, obviously... And, and not, not, not just like individual racism, but like... But like but yeah, racism, but societal yeah. And, and structural racism... And like it is, it is a movie that is like so like like it is, it is so like sharp about the way that it it dissects racism and looks at like how like at, at at how like people can like who think of themselves as like non racist can be like drawn back into like drawn back into like like racist modes of thinking when like their privilege is appealed to yeah like it is. Oh. Um, and the thing I thought about a couple of times during it is, well, obviously there are some overt racist acts, though. Um, I don't think I've seen a better expression on in narrative, in fiction, of what microaggressions look like yeah. and feel like yeah. than in this film. And like th- th- this, this is a German movie from 1974 that they made in two weeks. Yeah, um, and th- th- this this movie is uh, it is a remake of sorts of of, uh, of a Douglas Sirk film. Well, last week we did Douglas Sirk's uh, uh, we did uh, Douglas Sirk's Imitation of Life, mm-hmm. and uh, th- th- this this film is a remake of his uh, of his earlier film All That Heaven Allows, uh, which is about a uh, relationship between a, a wealthy older widow uh, and a, uh, a young handsome gardener, yeah. and 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 about there's like class differences and the age differences and how like people respond negatively. To 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 uh, to their relationship and how they 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 kind of fall apart and come come back together again. And what I, I think Fassbinder does, which is so, is he makes it. It's not just about class. He he makes he makes he makes instead about a um, uh, a cleaning woman. Yeah, yeah, like a woman who's already like lower class herself. Yeah, who who's kind of like living on the who is like she doesn't even want to tell people what her job is because yeah. it's so looked down upon. And so it's this older, older cleaning woman, and a, a young uh, migrant worker from Morocco. Well, he's not that young. He's like he's like forty, and she's 
60, right? I thought that uh, was about the deal. So well, I mean, like 35 like, and 75. Should, should, I'm yeah. going to look up how there. Yeah. He's 40. I buy that he's 40. Uh, yeah. <gasps> Um, maybe the actor wasn't 40, but I believe that the character is. He is, um, he's in Germany, he's Moroccan, he's in Germany, yeah. he's a, as a guest worker, he works at a auto factory, I believe? Uh, um, I believe he just works at like, uh, a garage. Oh, right, yes, of yeah. course. He lives, you know, w- with like six other guys who all work at the same place. Oh, no, there's six of them total, because there's three beds on each side of the one room yeah. they live in. Yeah, so yeah, he, he, he like lives in this tiny cramped room with, with, with six other, uh, six other migrant workers and uh, at night he goes to like the one bar in town that won't kick him out yeah. and he drinks with his with his buddies and they like really kind of sweetly but not innocently kind of fall in love with each other in an odd, yeah in an odd way and like beyond having like political heft and thematic things like the biggest thing it has going for it is that it's incredible chemistry. Like it's delightful to watch them together, and it's delightful to spend time with yeah, them and like, when they're happy. You, you, know? you, yeah, like you, you genuinely feel like really bad when things start to go badly for them, yeah. and like it is, yeah, it is two like like really fantastic performances that are working so well together. I, yeah, I think it is the best film we've watched. Oh yes, uh, yeah. I, 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 I would say the test is the worst film we've watched so far. Yeah, no, what a day. Yeah. Well, what a Friday. Um, but I th- I have to confess, and I know you have the same confession, I was so drawn into this film I did not make any notes. Yeah, so the, we might not have a whole lot funny to say. But what we do have to say is that you, when you were but a film student, you may say on it. I did. Um, and I... Just give us, give us a slice. Give us a, what is What was the class? Uh, uh, it was for a class called European Cinema. Uh, okay, and uh, what did you study in that? Uh, so, uh, so what? What? One. I was mainly aiming for a joke on that. Okay, <laughs> I've, I've European Cinema, maybe. I've no jokes for it. Uh, <laughs> no jokes about European Cinema. So, yeah. like European Cinema, there are no <laughs> jokes about European Cinema. There are some good jokes in this. There's when he shuffles around in his chair. <laughs> Um, when, uh, when, uh, the, the old, what is her name? I forget. The, 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 the main woman. Yeah. Emmy. Emmy. Uh, when she has three sons, all of whom are racist. Uh, and when she's like, hi, there's this guy, we're in love, we got married. Um, her eldest son shimmies comically slowly around in his chair and then really has a go at the TV uh, in a way that is both like actually funny, but also is a brilliant expo- like a brilliant expression of like uh, the the anguished the 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 knotted anger of racism. <laughs> yeah. So so speaking of speaking yeah. of racists, and, and this, <laughs> this is um, so like, of the the many things that, that these two movies have in common. Mm-hmm. What what one of them is that. Um, that the the director of each film cast themselves in it, uh, yeah, but yeah, but yeah. but because Fastbinder uh, was not a, a egomaniac, uh, I mean, oh okay, he, he was a different kind of e- yes. egomaniac. So he he cast himself as the like, racist, emotional, yeah. emotionally abusive husband of of uh, of Emmy's daughter, yeah, yeah. and he is just like delightfully awful throughout the film. <laughs> Yeah, he is. Uh, he's the most irredeemable. He's yes. the only one who doesn't get over it. Eventually, we hear. Um, well, the others get over it when they need things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just give me. 
I yeah, I don't have much to say apart from the fact there's but also the, I found the experience of watching it, beyond the film itself being very emotional, um, I found myself getting very emotional because obviously oh, now more than <laughs> ever not now more than ever. But like seeing a film now is the the world is on fire is more yep. and more people of color are, are murdered as we had to fight to not to arm our police in this goddamn country in this goddamn Briscoe's country to quote Harold Lindsay Bird. Um, I, seeing a film that is just like even though there are complications in it, there's not racism is like seeing a film that is honestly about the, the evils of racism yeah why we should work against and, and not and not in like a naive way yeah and it's yeah it's not about how it's easy um emmy sees and does some racist stuff yeah. even though she's married to a person of color like um and i just found it like i don't know kind of rousing and emotional that people were making those statements in 1974 mm. and that as much as it feels like a dark time now but those statements continue and more people will believe yeah. them and like, it, it, like so, so much of the like of the the racism that is presented in a film, you you still hear say today. Well, like yeah. all, all all of all of the anti-immigrant stuff could could have could have been written by like could could have been written yeah. by like like a Trump speechwriter today. Well, and yeah, and another similarity is it's another film you could just call Trump voters. Um, but oh no, and it was also that like some of the racism, the smaller bits of racism, the way it thinks. Is that I can remember having those thoughts before I had started decolonizing my mind, you know, um, and which is which is an ongoing process. This is not me being like me. I'm as the only non-racist white man. Well, uh, no, it, it's well known that 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 it's in fact that Euphadine believes he is perfect. He, the, he, he's the only one free of sin, I'm, so he shall cast the first stone. Yeah, I'm the only good man. <laughs> I'm the only good white man. And yeah, and I just found that I I I can't. Unless you can't read, because the titles will speak German, I don't know someone who wouldn't get something out of this film. Because beyond, like, we've talked a lot about how it's political, but it it has pace and shape and yeah. intrigue and questions and knows, like, of course, Fassbinder knows how to fucking put a story together. He made enough of them, right? Yeah. So in uh, so uh, so actually, uh, Jeremy Savile has made has made two movies. We have a test in 2012, and we had Loquitia in 2019. In in the time that it took Jeremy Savile to make those two movies, uh, Fastbinder made 28 movies, and many of them are considered among the greatest films ever made. Yeah, he like, he, he is like he is someone who I, I've not even seen like a fraction of his filmography, but everything I've seen from him is like so good and interesting and thought provoking, and like he he is someone who like he was like. You 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 could just watch Fastbinder films forever, and I, you would kind of never get sick of them. I mean, I'm, I presume when we start the inevitable Patreon for this podcast, one of the things is we could do a second weekly one, the Fender and the Furious Fender. <laughs> we just do them all in order. Um, great. Yeah. But <laughs> anyway, there's so many films. Um, there are so many films. And we're never going to see even one percent of them. I, th- I think you could do 1% oh, maybe, maybe. existing films. Yeah. Those archive purges of the silent films have really helped us out here. Yeah, super helpful. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so glad I'm never going to be able to see all of Murnau's films. I'm happy to. I mean... Yeah. Sunrise? Recently... What a piece of shit. 
I mean, let's go with the old Nosferatu. Yeah. Uh, which it's is a classic. Which would also fit within the Fassbender and the Furious Bender because of Nos. <laughs> so it's only things we can make it somehow attached to cars. So, for instance, the film Planes. Or Planes, Fire and Rescue. The best cars film. So, but most importantly, now that we've laid out that if you are listening, if you have time to listen to this podcast... You 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 have time to, to watch Ali Furious Assault. Yeah, what a film. Yeah. Uh, and not the test. Um, that's me remembering again. Yep. We're two that's hours into podcasting about this. I'll, we'll, I'll cut it down. Don't yeah. worry. But yeah, I just want to... give me. Let's hear this. Lisa. How old were you when you wrote this? Uh, I uh, I would have been uh, nineteen. Oh, I okay. I and you are how old now? Uh, Twenty three. Okay. So do you know better? You... You know, I, I was actually reading this like a few. Ago. I was like, yeah. Oh, pretty good. So yeah, let, let's just take it to a whack at that. Let's... Yeah. So the, the, this is this is an essay that I, that I wrote. What uh, did you get on this essay? I think it was like a B plus. I think <laughs> okay, I, handed, okay. I handed it in a bit late. I mean, what is good? What is the point of podcasting if not reading out your own B plus <laughs> essays? Very few episodes where where I read an A plus essay. Okay, yeah, no. When we get to Citizen Kane, I'll read my A plus essay on Citizen Kane. Okay. So uh, there's an essay that I, that I wrote on uh, on Ali Fear uh, on Ali Soul and Michael Haneke's Code Unknown. Uh, yeah. Which are both uh, shot by the same cinematographer, yeah. Jürgen Jürgers, yeah. one of the many uh, people in the German film industry with an amazing German name. <laughs> it's also Florian Hinkel von Donnersmark. <laughs> Yeah, oh. that, which is someone uh, panicking. When... <laughs> Trying to think of a German name. <laughs> yeah. The dictionary definition of fear. It's a hard time starting sentences that begin with the word va. Just, okay. that, that, that's like a stutter trigger for me. Oh, wow. Why not make them all die? This is, this is, me, yeah, work, no. this is me working up to try and not stutter. <laughs> it's alright, I can go. Yeah, yeah. You, you're alright. The German cinema movement of the, of the 1970s and 80s is, along with the French New Wave of the 50s and 60s, important and influential periods of world cinema. Werner Fassbinder was the most prolific filmmaker of this period, directing over 40 feature films in his 14-year filmmaking career, before his death at age 37 from a drug overdose. In the last few decades, Austrian-German director Michael Haneke has been one of the most controversial and acclaimed European filmmakers. Like Fassbinder, his films are often confronting and didactic, and are very influenced by art and experimental cinema. Fassbinder and Haneke both use elements of classic Hollywood influenced melodrama, as well as ideas taken from as well as as well as ideas taken from the dramatic theory of German playwright Bertolt Brecht, uh, uh, in order uh, in order to tell their stories about contemporary European life and culture. And there's a whole bit about melodrama which I don't need to go into. Uh, Brecht, um, uh, just gonna skip all of that. Yep, uh, Get straight to the good stuff. Yeah, Ali Fierich's The Soul is a rip roaring, <laughs> laugh a minute comedy. An old woman? Romance? You would never see the words together. <laughs> of all of the films that combine these elements of classic Hollywood melodrama and Brechtian theatre, Ali Fierich's The Soul is probably the most well-known. Alpha film that Fassbinder directed during his German melodrama phase, and the only one that takes plot points directly from one of Douglas Sirk's classics, lifting its story of the forbidden love that crosses age and class boundaries from all that heaven allows. Fassbinder first discovered Sirk's melodramas in 1971, and conceived for a cycle of films focusing on the impossibility of love and happiness in the bourgeois family. Fassbinder's fast-moving style, the entire film was shot over 15 days in September of 1973. Uh, uh, the, 
with melodrama elements with a didacticism of Brechtian theatre is very effectively demonstrated in the film's final scene, which draws heavily from Cirque's All That Heaven Allows. But unlike Cirque's film, where the doctor tells Carrie, though by Jane Wyman, that Ron, Brock Hudson, will need rest and care, and he'll need you, Carrie, in order to recover from his injury, here the doctor tells Emmy that Ali's illness will likely return in the next six months, due to the stress placed on migrant workers. Fastbinder wants to subvert the traditional happy ending of a melodramatic romance by reminding us of, that the causes of both, Ali's, of, of both Ali's illness and his and Emmy's unhappiness, uh, this is in the class structure of Germany, social alienation, still exist and cannot simply be overcome by two people willing them out of existence, as Carrie and Ron are able to do in Cirque's film, where their love is enough to break down the barriers imposed on them by society. Similarly, in order to drive this point home, Fastbinder changes the order of the injury and illness and the romantic reconnection. And all that heaven allows, Ron is injured while he and Carrie are estranged, and, and his waking up in the last seconds of the film and Carrie reconfirming her love for him suggests to the audience that everything is going to be okay. However, in Ali, Emmy and Ali are reunited first, and then Ali falls ill while they are dancing to their song. With him then in the hospital, where, where Emmy sits on the, on the side of Ali's bed and sobs while holding his hand. The difference between two films is that Cirque is interested in telling the audience why prejudice is wrong, whereas Ali is less concerned with moralising about the injustice of racism than with, the under with, than with understanding its, its intractability and its, re its resistance to efforts to eliminate it. Yep, jokes. Yep. <laughs> it is serious film writing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree with any of it, though. Yeah. I thought we should wind up there. <laughs> Do, okay, but the serious question. Think to yourself, Finn, yep. Ali... Colon, fear of soul, <laughs> Is it or sound? Uh, I, I think there's undoubtedly sound. I, it, it, years since I've seen this, but I've, I've always considered it to be one of my favourite movies, and this, this viewing just, just massively reconfirmed that. I think, I would call it, I, I don't think it, I would call it better than sound. I'd call it euphonious. It, it's, it's, it's an incredible movie, yeah. and I, I want to see it. Okay, so, um, where can people find you, Finn Nicholas? Do you have anything to plug? Uh, I was going to plug the show. Oh, right. That is. Um, Don't worry about it. We're on Twitter. Where are we on Twitter, Finn? Uh, we, uh, we are at... Look, just look it up on your phone. Oh, I, I, I don't have data. We have a Twitter. We'll tell you what it is next week. Mm. You, you're... Fickleless? Yeah, it, it is what what is just one in a, in a long list of screen names I've had that are misspelled puns. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, and I am I'm Euthalibs, U T H A like the it. Uh, our theme song is uh, called "The Nux by Kazam Blam. Yeah, and next week we'll be uh, we'll be discussing number ninety eight on the side of the sound list, which is Tuki Buki, a, a Senegalese film. Well, uh, looks to be uh, really good. Yeah, and we don't know what we're pairing with it yet because nope. uh, we we fear seeming racist. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's everything. Remember our catchphrase: how we end every episode. Go. Um, mo mo movies are good. <laughs> I like I like them a lot. You should watch them, even even bad movies. I'm, watch I'm, them together. Now, watch them with friends. I'm now aware that that sounds like me being like, do you know what's funny? Stuttering. I mean, that's what it feels like. No, no, no. 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 <laughs> no. It's the fumbling that's funny. It's us not knowing what we're doing. It's not a fucking If, if you did it, if you did it on a stage or in an art gallery, 
people would go apeshit for that. I mean, Tilda Swinton, when she was a performance artist, did sometimes just sleep on a bed. But, like, I feel like there was more to that. Well, first of all, it's it's Tilda Swinton and not Jeremy Savile doing it. That is true. Which inherently makes it more artistically worthy. I just, I know we should not judge books by their covers, but his name being so close oh, to Jeremy no, Savile really I've, does not I, help I've, his case. I've thought about that so many times. <laughs>